0: for all the amazing support you've shown this show so far. I have been so moved by the messages I've been getting from active women who have been struggling with the hormone changes and body image issues and who are just so grateful to be hearing these conversations. It makes me really, really happy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover, I have an email, hit me up at hit play, not pause at livefeisty.com. Drop me a line, tell me what you wanna hear, I'm all ears. Okay, so this was a fun one this week. I sat down with Erin Carson, who folks in Boulder, Colorado will know as the co-owner and coach at Rally Sport Training Facility and Health Club, where she has worked for 27 years. She is also the head coach for EC Fit, where she works with endurance athletes, including current and former world champions, like three-time Ironman world champion, Miranda Carfrey. Erin is also developing some on-demand strength training programs in collaboration with Dr. Stacy Sims, who you will recall was my first guest and is the science and brains behind our best-selling training and nutrition book Roar. There are a few times in this interview where you hear Erin say something about you guys during the interview. She's actually talking about Stacy and I, since we hope to use some of her programming for our upcoming book for menopausal women, and she's also doing those on-demand training plans for Stacy. I really love this conversation because it tapped into what I think is the heart and soul of strength training. To me, strength training is not about the muscles in the mirror, though those things are nice. It's about balance and stability and mobility and keeping your central nervous system all charged up so you can stay quick and nimble throughout your ages. I'll note that as most of you know by now, all trainers and coaches have their own philosophies. And my listeners who believe that you should hashtag pull up or shut up may not agree with her professional opinion on specific exercises. Of course, those of you who don't feel like pull ups are your best exercise, you might be nodding along in agreement. But I'd encourage everyone not to get super hung up on those little details. It's her bigger message I think that we all can benefit from. And one more little note from me. At one point, Aaron makes reference to folks wanting a quote-unquote bikini body as some sort of common non-competitive goal because, well, aesthetic goals are still what drive many folks to the gym and to trainers like Aaron. You want to look good at your reunion, whatever, I get that. But after 30 years in this business, I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you, if you haven't already, to set a non-aesthetic goal even if you're not competitive sign up for a 5k or a sprint try go to a gravel cycling event try an obstacle course event the aesthetics will follow and honestly you'll look at your body differently and in a more positive light when you're living through it and not for it now time for the interview
1: Hey, Aaron, it is so nice to meet you. It, it is amazing to be a part of your world, and thanks for having me today.
0: Sure. So um, I say we dive right in. What do you say?
1: Uh, no better approach from my. That's kind of ha- no.
0: That's how we both kind of are. So yeah. um, I've been in, as you have, this space of fitness and strength training, specifically as it pertains to women, but but also men for myself, a, a long, long time. And I feel like strength training, maybe more than anything except nutrition, is rife with conflict and confusion. Um, As a trainer, athlete, and writer, I myself have received, and if I'm going to be honest, given contradictory advice (laughs) over the years – What do active menopausal women need to know about the role of strength training in their lives? Like, I know that's a giant question, but I feel like we're all just walking around getting all these mixed messages like, oh, you need to do it. You need to lift heavy. You need bands. You need just to do functional training, whatever that means. Like, can you just provide a little clarity to this audience of like what strength training is and why they should do it? And then we'll launch a bit more into like the
1: hows. You know, I think... I think it really got articulated for me that we needed to have this conversation and we needed to start bringing more complete information to our audience, especially the postmenopausal women, A, because I am one and it's really important to me, but also I see women as leaders and
0: Mm. I think
1: the stronger that we feel physically, the better we can stand up tall and get our point across. And so. Wow,
0: what a great point. (laughs) I'm just gonna sit back and bask in that point a second. Words. Thank you. You know,
1: that's a a big thing, how people stand and how we hold ourselves. And so I was actually um, at at a hotel here in, in Colorado and I was outside doing a live workout on Facebook and I saw this woman who clearly is in our category, and I just say that because, you know, you can, whether you're perimenopausal or whether you're postmenopausal, we're on this journey together as women, and this woman took out her phone, and she kind of hid behind um, a wall, a brick wall, and she was starting her workout, and the first, and she was, she was carrying a, a couple of extra pounds, and the first thing she did when she clicked the on button was jumping lunges. <laughs> and i I got completely distracted from doing what I was doing. Did you and run I over just, and knock the
0: phone out of her hand and
1: say no, but i I felt I felt like I just wanted to help her. You know, I just wanted to reach out and say, these are good. like we yes, want, they are. This mm-hmm. is what we need, but we don't need this a when we're carrying a couple of extra pounds initially. I mean, they mm-hmm. didn't look good either. I mean, don't get me wrong. They they looked like they were not comfortable for her. She was clearly uncomfortable. She was hiding. Um, so there was all these other kind of uh, intangible signals. But
2: mm-hmm. the
1: biggest thing to me that that really told me was we need to get that point across that there is a journey. And just mm-hmm. as we would periodize our training for swimming or running or anything, we need to approach strength training the same way. And we don't need... To hit everything as hard as we can, every single gym session, in order to get this benefit that we desire. And sometimes it's okay to have an easy gym session, sometimes it's okay to work just on mobility. You know, what I've learned so much just in the last few weeks taking Stacy's class and you know, I'm a pretty conservative strength coach. Um, I do have the opportunity to work with some of the best athletes in the world. And that conservative approach has served me very well, keeping Mm -hmm. people safe, and allowing and presenting uh, their sport coaches the opportunity to really bring the heat for their training. So what I want more than anything is that our audience who does understand what performance is, whether it's mountain bike racing, road bike racing, running, or just being an amazing mom. Because when mm-hmm, we talk about mm-hmm. perfor- or an amazing wife or whatever it is, um, you know, we want them to have a process and an understanding of kind of where they are at a mm-hmm. certain point in the month with their training. Mm-hmm. So therefore, their expectations aren't way beyond what they're capable of their recovery is in check. And then the give it time, the, the training, give the training time to actually come up above the, the set point, you know, to get better. And so I think we just keep beating ourselves down a lot. And we need that recovery time. Um, I love the two week build and one week back. It's not one week, two week build and one week off. Just bring it back a little bit and chill out and have some easy runs and go for a hike with right. a friend and still get so, in the gym but approach mm-hmm. the gym differently during that week.
0: So for you you said a couple of things in there that I wanted to bring out to make sure our audience understands. You talked about periodization. And for people, periodization I think is also one of those terms that not everybody understands. And maybe some people have never even heard it. Um, can you explain a little bit what you mean as far as periodization and, and sort of knowing like I'm imagining that woman um, – She's probably just doing whatever, you know, workout of the of the day was on whatever app she had, right? Yep. And it just it just started there and she how who knows how she picked it. It who, it could have been from anywhere. I mean, I I know right. how this something I could have written though. I would have warmed them up better. I could I would have warmed them up. Yeah. Better. Um but like talk a little bit about periodization and you mentioned Stacy's class and I want to specify for the audience who doesn't know yet that Stacy is doing uh, Stacy Sims is my co-author with Roar, and we did that women-specific physiology and nutrition book. We're doing a follow-up, a little uh, little peek into the future on for menopausal women. And she did a course for menopausal women, and that's what you're talking about, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. And I, I am, yeah, I'm just learning every single day, and it's been incredibly awesome. So periodization. When I work with an athlete, my or anybody. You know, I Mm -hmm. I tend to call every client an athlete. I have an Mm -hmm. 85-year-old guy that skis three times a week, and I'm like, he's my athlete. So everybody's my athlete. And uh, we look throughout the entire year, and we're going to pick key times of the year to be at our very best. And for some of us, that means a race. And for some of us, it might mean bikini body. And for some mm-hmm. of us, it might mean um, high school reunion or Although whatever. Everybody
0: is. is a bikini body. <laughs> right?
1: <Yeah. The> word. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but we want to pick probably right. anywhere from three to five key events that we want to be at our best for. And I guess gotcha. my point is, it doesn't have to be a race, and it definitely no we doesn't totally have to understand be an race, that, right? Yeah. So yep. so we're going to design the training so that you training is different than exercise, and that's a great little like what's the difference. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to design the training in the gym so that we are going to have periods of hard work
2: Mm -hmm. and we're going to
1: have periods of recovery. And -hmm. then we're going to build on that work so that there's this little bit of progressive overload. So Mm -hmm. we want to just keep teaching the body to recover from more external load, more external stress and and that can come in all different forms and i do think that you know that in itself could be a one hour conversation on how to <laughs> apply stress and and then let right. it recover but i think the most important thing is that there is a progression
0: right right no i no i agree with you and i i have two questions that follow up on that one is for this audience specifically i know for myself over time you know I've always been an athlete that that recovers well and a, just an active person that recovers well and that does change you know a bit with with time how does that how does that periodization look differently for a woman once her hormones start to go into this sort of perimenopausal menopausal postmenopausal change do you do you, do you do you give a is it a shorter build and a two into the recovery or what does that look like
1: Yes. You know, ultimately, we're all different. And so it is fun to have to work with people who really chase the data of whether or not I know I'm recovered. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, we we have lived our most of our life on a seven day cycle of training. So like every Sunday is our long run, or every Saturday is our long ride. Um, My coach was awesome in my last training phase, um, which was ironically just about a year ago leading into the world championships in nice but he put me on a 10 day cycle of training so and i had the opportunity to do that because i work weird like i can work on a saturday right. you're Tuesday not in a
0: nine-to-five job monday to friday which yeah. is right the cycle usually comes so, in handy right
1: <laughs> yeah so i could every other week do a wednesday long mm-hmm. run instead mm-hmm. of doing it every every sunday and for me I was he could see every single time I'd hit my interval sessions that he was able to keep pushing me Mm. and then Mm -hmm. come back on Thursday or Friday when I did my tempo workouts that I was actually my heart rate was under control at Mm -hmm. certain speeds. And and then for my long run, you know, he didn't start seeing that cardiac drift at the end of the session that you might see from somebody who's overly tired. Or, or underly nutritioned, maybe, or underly recovered. and so Define he just, what
0: that cardio drift means. It
1: kids. means at the end of the run, I'm still running a nine-minute mile, but my heart rate is still at 130. Like I'm still right. right where I was when I started that run, and maybe it starts to go up a little bit because right, it's getting right, hotter right. in the day mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But he could really see that, and he paid attention, and I really appreciated that, um, how he – worked with me as an older Mm -hmm. athlete and you know I was able to run one of my fastest half marathons ever and I was never that fast so it was you know my my change (laughs) was you know people that are super fast in their 20s you know we might not be able to achieve that but you know I'm still getting I feel in my heart that I can still get better and he was so when was this like when was this September 7th last year 2019 and in
0: your how old, if you don't mind sharing? With yeah,
1: no, I was fifty three last year. That's fifty four. Awesome. That is yep. like
0: very cool to hear because a yeah, lot of people. Thank you.
1: A, well, it is.
0: A, you know, a lot of people come into, especially endurance sports. I feel like running, cycling, triathlon. A lot of people come into it later, so they're not they they weren't junior athletes. You know, especially women, like because this right. is all kind of. So it uh, it's a great message. I think that you can still go up. Right? Like, yeah,
1: yeah, you totally can. And if you're not, let's find out why.
0: What role do you think? Um, well, I want to hold that. I want to talk a little bit about your how you approach hormone hormone training and, and, and where hormones come into your thoughts when you when you're programming. But first, I want to add a talk a little bit. I know we have CrossFit women. And when you talk about periodization and all that build and rest, I wonder what piece you think women in our audience might be missing if they're CrossFit enthusiasts.
1: Oh gosh, is that um, a
0: big? <laughs> you don't. We don't need to go into the whole. Just like a little bit, I, of like
1: I yeah. really, I'm not, I'm not not a fan of CrossFit.
0: Yeah, I, no, I'm not you know, either. I,
1: mm-hmm. I I get that. Um, I get why people are attracted to it. I think it's been masterfully building community. I think there's some caution things that that. uh, Hard for the sake of being hard at times is, is, is a difficult topic for me. It's a difficult mm-hmm. subject for me. Like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, I've mm-hmm. just put a thing out on my Facebook page that my triathletes, my competitive runners, and I'm keeping in mind, I'm in Boulder, so I have some of the best in the world, young athletes. And I don't, we don't do push-ups and we don't do pull-ups. And, you know, you're constantly managing risk and reward.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: mm-hmm. you know there's inherent tightness that comes with a lot of those sports. So if you picture the position that you're on a TT bike
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you're down low and your elbows are in and you're I want you to be comfortable there, um, but then I need you to be able to run and stand tall. right So there's not you know push-ups are everybody thinks they're doing good push-ups, but I've seen very few good push-ups. You know you need to have scapular mobility and strength on the back side of the body, and I struggle because and we, we were going to talk about gravity and ground, and you know the the way that your back of your body gets sticky, it doesn't function the way it's supposed to function and be loose and relaxed and strong so that you can be really open on the front side of your body um, Those are some of the things that really lead me to spend most of the time with my athletes working on pulling exercises um, that Mm. are safe from my perspective. Because if you put your hands and you're hanging from a bar and you're at full shoulder uh, length there and full shoulder extension, for you to be able to come from a starting position and pull yourself up, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult. And (laughs) I think everybody will agree, yes. That's difficult. Oh, very difficult. And and I'm six feet tall, and I know oh, the emotional. Oh my you
0: are very tall. Whenever I see pictures of you, I forget you played basketball. You're yeah, but I was a guard. And you got but... long levers then.
1: And I remember the emotional turmoil of not being able to do pull-ups, and right. my little, you know, and I was a guard. So here I am, six feet tall, and all my guard friends are five two, five four, <laughs> and they can pull things up and push, you know, and there, there yeah, was yeah. an emotional component to that, that, that really did not give me a feeling that was of, of success. And so as a coach and as a trainer, I'm very, very gentle with regards to people feeling successful. And That's I know, mm-hmm. I know that doing pull-ups does not make you a better triathlete. And I also know that doing pull-ups does not make you a better runner. Um, so when I watch kipping, and something that happens mm-hmm. in in um, mm-hmm. uh, CrossFit a, a lot. Um, my biggest question is the progression into kipping. You know, using momentum to get yourself up there
2: is—it's right. a
1: beautiful thing to watch when somebody's good at it. There's no doubt about it because the athleticism is off mm-hmm. the charts, right? But but to me, I don't see the usefulness and the outcome um, versus the risk uh, of of hurting yourself. From that if much, if I momentum. fall off
0: a cliff on my mountain bike though, and I catch y- myself on a tree, yeah, I could probably kip myself back up instead of falling like a cartoon,
1: yeah. maybe. Yeah, no, I that's think useful. if you're preparing to fall off your bike and grab a tree, I think that's probably <laughs> perfect. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good. so and that's the specificity that's one of, those... of
0: training is what we're talking about here, Aaron <laughs>
1: 100, 100 percent, you know, and you want to have. You want to have robustness. You want to have the yeah. ability to be mobile and agile and be speedy in those and reactive, you right? Know? Right. So, but let's so there's yeah, no let's doubt talk about, it. about
0: that. Let's yeah. talk about that because as I I sort of mentioned in my, in our prep session is as I've worked, I don't train myself because I think that's a huge drag, you know. So I've always worked with trainers. I've always worked with coaches, yeah. um, and I have definitely come into a gym and worked with someone for the first time, and we go straight into it. We're doing one repetition max squats. We're doing one repetition max deadlifts, bench press. I understand that is not your process. I'm hearing loudly and clearly that that is not your process. <laughs> so if I so I walk into you and and you know I've filled out all my forms and I've told you that I have done triathlons and I mountain bike and I gravel ride and I do like CrossFit and I do some stand up paddle you know all the things. Yeah. But I say, man, like I just. I've kind of fallen away from the gym and my power is not what it used to and I just feel like I need to like lift heavy shit as they say. So yeah. w- what what do you do? Like I you know my age, I'm 51. I'm I'm not quite postmenopausal, but definitely in the, that territory. Where do we start?
1: My first goal with with you and let's just talk about you because that's you and I love that. My okay. first goal with you is and and anybody is to get buy-in with what we're going to do in our relationship on the first session. Okay. So the first thing I want to leave somebody, I want you to be able to feel our session in a good way mm-hmm. within 24 hours. So
0: before what do you mean we by even, in a good way, does that mean like that I, I want you sit to the toilet to pee?
1: No, that... that's a bad way. That's a way. <laughs> okay, that's, good. that's a way. And some people are like, that was the best workout ever. I haven't been able to sit down for four days. <laughs> I need to rehabilitate those people. Right. That is bad. Mentally and
0: physically, I want to say.
1: It's yeah. the easiest thing ever as a trainer to make somebody have pain. Amen. And and, and, and it's just not my jam. I okay. think it's actually very irresponsible. And it's just because I'm a little bit older, I, I have the confidence that uh, I can have it. So that my goal for you would mm-hmm. be, Celine, what I want you to do is be able to get on your mountain bike when we're done and go do something that you're familiar with and I want to see your perceived exertion in that mm-hmm. session. And so when if I open you up, if I open your thoracic spine, if I give you access to most of your hips that you haven't mm. had access to, mm. um, just because of tightness, right. um, you're going to get on your bike and you're going to go, holy shit. So I actually try to follow up within 12 to 24 hours with my athletes when I've seen them for the first time. And more often than not, it's like, how did I get to Ward so fast? If you've been to Boulder, Ward is a bike ride that is usually takes two, two and 15. There's a huge 10% grade at the end. And people are like, I was able to do a PR with a lower perceived exertion. So I PR'd my time, but I I felt it was so easy.
0: Right. And that's because they're accessing muscles that they have not had access to. And is that... Yes. Core
1: stabilizing prime, all of the above, like what So the concept of reciprocal inhibition would tell you that the front side of your hip is tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just tight. Mm-hmm. And everybody likes to blame the PSOAS. <laughs> well, the poor freaking PSOAS, you know, and that's Tell people we don't what wanna, the
0: soas is for those psoas psoas who But muscle. they know it when they feel it.
1: Right. And your most yeah. of your physical therapists will say, Oh, you have a tight psoas <laughs> or no. you have tight right. hip flexors. Yes. So there's two giant muscles that cross the hip. One is the psoas that attaches mm-hmm. on the medial side of your femur, the big bone at your, the, your uh, leg. Yep. And then it goes all the way up, and it attaches right behind the bottom part of your ribs. It attaches okay. to the front of your spine. That muscle is, is associated with another muscle called the iliacus that's in the medial side of the hip bone. It mm-hmm. also, there's a big muscle that's right down the middle of the quad, the rectus femoris. He crosses the hip, too. And I give these pissy muscles genders. I don't not know why they're guys, but they are. (laughs) I love
0: that you just did that I noticed
1: that. So so they are. They're just a little pissy, you know. So I talk about opening up the capsule. We want to open up the whole front side of the hip. And I have a lot of strategies to do that. And some of it's foam rolling. And some of it is Mm -hmm. I I can use a percussion gun. Some of it is Mm. using just movement, ballistic kind of movement. Um, Because when you're... What we've learned is don't stretch a muscle, like don't move it quickly. Mm -hmm. But we kind of stopped. I stopped really thinking about muscle and thinking more about connective tissue a few years Mm -hmm. ago. And so we're really talking about connective tissue. And there's a huge neural component to connective tissue. So we know that we lose that fast twitch muscle fiber, right? But it's also completely encased with connective tissue the whole right. muscle, connective tissue right. everywhere. And most of that signaling is going through connective tissue, not to a you know, cross-bridge mm. situation. So mm-hmm. we want to upload and upregulate the nervous system
2: mm-hmm. and
1: create, create trust between the front side of the hip so that the glute can really optimally fire. Uh, you know so one of my when people pe- talk
0: about glutes being asleep, and I'm sure you've heard that, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we yeah. hear it all the time. Um, dead dead glutes, my glutes are asleep. Yeah. So what you're talking about is the front of the hips are not allowing the glutes to access their power. Word. Okay.
1: And that constantly happens in training. So I can do
0: deadlifts until next Sunday, and it does. If I'm not opening up my hips, I'm not doing anything, right? Uh, 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 no,
1: because okay. you're still doing something. Okay. But my question would be, could it be better?
0: Gotcha. Could
1: it gotcha. be more efficient? Like our greatest gift that we have is time, you know, and we all have ways that we like to spend our time. And mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and for my bet, even though I love being in the gym, I want you to be in the gym not that long.
2: So right, right.
1: what we do should be super high quality and very meaningful time. So that is, that is another Really huge component, I think, of, of my process with athletes and with women and men is, you know, we want to be with our spouses. We want to be with our children. We want to be in the mountains. We want to be riding our bikes. We want to do this, all these other things. And, they, and then the gym usually falls at the end. It's like, well, I don't right, have time right, for right. gym. You know, so right. if I can make it meaningful because we get the buy-in early that you felt a difference. Mm -hmm, And you, I can keep pointing back. Remember that day when you went to ward and it was easy and you went fast. Yeah. Well, let's keep doing that. Let's re we have to reinforce that same, um, setup so that every workout, um, every training session can be really meaningful. And that's the same thing in the gym. So most of my gym sessions are really anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. And there are times in the gym, you know, people will take one of my sessions and do it back to back with another one just because they have time. But right. it's um it's really important to me that that it it leads somewhere to a really big uptick in living and living well.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's really important. I've had this discussion as a you know way way many moons ago. I, I worked as a personal trainer in a gym, and. I felt like there was pressure to keep people there for an hour because it was somehow worth their money. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like not that I was doing them much good after a certain yep. point, but like they were paying quote unquote for a session. And if you got it all done in a half hour, they might feel ripped off. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's good to hear that because I've I, I kept thinking, at that time I was like, this is ridiculous. And I still feel that way. So I I'm glad to, to hear somebody with your longevity and somebody in your position, like give voice to that and, and reason for that because I, I think we still kind of get stuck there sometimes.
1: Yeah. It's um most of it's funny because I still do personal training because I really dig the in-person person to person work mm-hmm. and, and I won't do hours anymore unless mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. early in our relationship and somebody really is movement challenged. Like if they don't have coordination and they don't have rhythm and timing and and there's, there's this, there's, it adds meaning to our time. Mm-hmm. Then I will spend an hour with them cause they need it and we'll work on right. that. But my goal is to get them to 30 or 45 minute sessions. Um, but the fitter you are, like some people will defer to the 30 cause it's cheaper and I'm like, you got to earn the 30, like the <laughs> fittest people do 30 right. minute workouts. And that means that my workout, you know, it needs to be two to three times a week in the gym, mm-hmm. or yeah. you can do it in your basement. Like uh, so many of us are just training at home now because of time right. and, and, COVID. and COVID, of course, <laughs> we're figuring out yeah. it might work. But the, um, but the biggest thing is, is as performance people, we have to play. We still have to be out on our bicycles. We still have to climb a mountain. We still have to go for runs. And, and my stuff is reactive to that training. I don't want you to be gym fit just for the sake of being gym fit. Right. I want you to go test my work. And, and right. some people, like I have just started working about 10 weeks ago with a 66-year-old female who's an amazing golfer. And she was losing her rhythm and timing, her sequencing of her golf swing. And it's oh, because of tightness because of weakness, because of immobility. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, just last week, she she shot a 72, which is, for those of you who don't know golf, that is amazingly good. And she hadn't broken 80 in three Whoa. years. And so nothing really changed with her golf game, but I started giving her access. It takes, um, you know, that's one of those big questions. How long does it take to really start working?
2: Yeah, You know,
1: I, I can get you moving better, and activate muscles and give you access to what you already have in two or three weeks or two or three sessions. But to truly get adaptation and change, it takes five to seven weeks of consistent right. movement and training and, and just kind so of what, overload. So what were you doing
0: with her? Can you give me like a little yeah. picture of like what you did with her? I'm just curious what that looks
1: Absolutely. like. Absolutely. So the biggest thing with, with, uh, with, Peggy, and I'll just say this with Peggy, (laughs) was we had to get her unstuck through her thoracic spine. So we had to just get it to the point when you put your head against the wall, your upper back against the wall, your hips against the wall, you have to Mm -hmm. be able to come into a postural position of neutral pelvis. So you have to be able, you don't have to live in neutral pelvis because we want to be able to move in and out of that anterior tilt. That's very powerful position. But she couldn't even get her low back. Her upper back had become a little bit kyphotic, a little bit rounded, like a lot of us are. Was she
0: osteoporotic
1: or no? She just. No, she's super strong. So so no diagnosis of that. But we could assume a little bit of that. So definitely Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks, I want to get her under heavy load for Mm -hmm. sure. Because I think that we can. It's science just from learning that from you guys. You know, that's probably there. So, we right. want to be able to build a structure that we feel confident putting her under load. We're not there yet. But now, so how did she, you get her
0: to straighten up? How did you open that up?
1: So, I use uh, a, a technique called foundation training. I'm a level Oh, two. I love
0: foundation training. You mean Eric I'm a Goodman's level two
1: instructor. I love Dr. Goodman. He's a great I friend. I'm a and huge
0: fan. For people who don't work, know, wow. Yeah. I'm yeah. a huge he, – he started – he did a book, and this is just a tangent. So people Go for it. But tangent he, away. Yeah. He did <laughs> Um, he did a book. It was mostly for back pain, right? Like his whole thing was about people with back pain. And he has this like series of movements that just – you can explain it all better than, than I can since you're an instructor. But uh, I didn't have ever back pain, but I had knee pain generating from the same thing. And yes. It, it, if I felt even a tinge, because I'm kind yep. of bad, like I wouldn't do it regularly, but as soon as the tinge came up, I'm like, oh, I better <laughs> do some foundation work, and it would work. But you can explain a little bit more about the foundation, because I think a lot of women in this age range could really use it.
1: You guys, we are – I mean, and I know that it's okay. I'll just plug my EC Fit Strength uh Yeah, go for webpage. it. We're going
0: to plug it at the end, but you can plug it yeah, now. Yeah, thanks, <laughs>
1: because the thing about it is, is again, it's part of a journey, mm-hmm. um, and I currently have 10 – foundation classes on my app.
0: Oh, wow. People to follow along with. And
1: it's an on demand. So it's video and I'm teaching and then I have another I have a partner in crime, one of Eric's very good friends, uh, Dr. Pat Helma teaches Mm -hmm. on my app. Um, But we're going to take you on a really good journey of foundation training. So quick backstory. The only reason I found Eric was because I wanted to know what Lance Armstrong was doing to become a triathlete again.
0: That's because so he is such
1: an amazing cyclist. And, and I, I'm not a fan of him personally, but we're never going to hang out, so it's okay. But <laughs> him, him as an athlete, mm-hmm. mad respect, right? So mm-hmm. where did he go? He went out to Santa Barbara, worked with a trainer called, named Peter Park. Yep. And Peter, Peter Park is a very good friend of Eric. And mm-hmm. they came together. And that was the goal, was to get Lance out of that kyphotic cycling posture and mm-hmm. back into his beautiful running posture that mm-hmm. he started as a triathlete. So it wasn't and un- very that I'm upright
0: posture, very yep. upright posture. Mm-hmm.
1: So Eric's com- uh, key key principles with foundation training is to reset the nervous system into a beautiful, mm-hmm. accurate depiction of for human movement. Mm-hmm. So reset the nervous system is one. Number two is to decompress the spine mm-hmm. using breathing techniques and using... Arm motions to create space between the ribs and the hips, Mm -hmm. and that decompression breathing is a huge, huge tool that I use with everyone because compressive forces of gravity and ground—we're all shrinking. And I've actually worked with a few ultra runners, and I I started measuring them when they come in. So my kid against the wall. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I have a wall. I have a wall of all of my ultra runners, and I measure them. And then I measured them six weeks later and I have actually seen them get taller.
0: Get and out it's, of
1: here. Seriously. And it's just because they, they are starting into this compressive um, oh, journey that, that foundation training has been able to uh, get them out of or give them self-empowering tools. That's the other thing I love about Eric and Doc Goodman, he, same guy, um, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: is that he, he wants people to be empowered to do stuff so they don't always have to pay someone to do it. And you can just follow along or you can do a founder in an airport. If, you, if anybody follows me on social media or if you mm-hmm. go back through my grid, one of my favorite things is to take pictures of myself in the airport doing foundation training.
0: That's awesome. I <laughs> do it in my kitchen all the time. Yeah. Like, why not? So, like, I'm waiting for the water to boil. Like, it's a great opportunity.
1: There. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a really, really, really great tool that I, that I use um, foundation training uh, as, as a big part of Peggy's work yeah. to get her to get her taller and Mm -hmm. longer. And then Mm -hmm. we start working through lat motion. So we used a little bit of percussion gun on her Mm lats through her rib cage. Um, We used a little bit of the percussion gun through her chest and through Mm -hmm. her anterior shoulders um, to get her shoulders and uh, shoulder carriage in a better, happier position. And then we started just working on opening up her hips through that, I have a half kneeling hip opening, Mm -hmm. half kneeling hip opener series that that really is easy to do, but it really works on both posture and that anterior capsule. And then we started strengthening her and just putting her under some load, some horizontal load, some cable rows, um, squat Mm -hmm. rows with a horizontal cable and stuff like that. Um, And then she just kept swinging the club because at first she was like, oh, my God. It just feels different, and she was yanking everything to the left. Right, right. She starts shanking things. (laughs) Right, shanking it all over the place, and then it all kind of came together. And it's really exciting because you know club championships, and there's this measurable outcome, and that's what I really dig as a coach is is when they're whether it's golf or whether it's a pair of jeans or whether it's um, a running time Mm -hmm, or whatever. mm -hmm. I like measurable outcomes and and usually those outcomes don't come in well how much did you squat today that i right. could care less how much people squat i could care less how much they bench press the progressive overload in most of my people's training comes in their sport so yeah. i'm not worried if you know that you just keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier because for you Celine to get back to like what would i do with you yeah. i would find some badass challenges for you to have a lot of fun in our session, I would probably throw things at you and make you catch them (laughs) to the point of the tree, you know? And, and then if you caught everything I threw at you, I'd probably put you on one foot and say, okay, Mm -hmm. catch this and put you into these challenging physical uh, challenges that, that really stimulated your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I would put you under load and have you lift. And then I'd make you tired and throw things at you again. And, you know, there's, there's, there's so many components to to being just well rounded and athletic um, right. that that is way beyond uh sets and reps
0: a hundred percent and 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 yeah. let's let's segue in because i I want to make a hundred percent sure we get this because I'm so in, intrigued by it uh looking at your website there's actually a paragraph that talks about it being well documented that both men and women benefit from lifting weights to enhance health and longevity. We know that. Then it talks about the hormonal benefits. And you you say it's, quote, unquote, especially interesting uh, when it comes to both older and younger athletes. And that part, part really caught my attention. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by hormonal benefits of lifting weights?
1: The biggest thing that I started... First of all, the depth of science, I'm not even going to try because you guys (laughs) are so functioning, right? So here's the biggest thing is I started figuring out that my Ironman athletes, when they came in, and most of my Ironman athletes are under 40. So when I'm referring to younger athletes, I'm pretty much in that 20 to 40 age category. Mm -hmm. So Timothy O'Donnell, beautiful athlete. He's been my guy for nine years now. Um, He would come in after a five-hour bike ride where he was doing zone 2 work. Yep. And he would be dragging. Like he's still he's an iron man, he's a professional athlete, he still has energy, but his mood in the shitter. Like I don't mm-hmm. really want to be here. I kind of want to go home and lay on the couch. Right. And I'd go, "Let's get you under some load. Let's get moving. Bring your nervous system up. Lift some heavy weights." And he was like, "I feel so much better." Right. The only mm-hmm. answer that I can come up with is that that is a hormonal uptick for him. Right. So we know that zone two and zone one work is very, very necessary for uh, endurance athletes. And we all have specific things that we're training for. So we can't just do a bunch of hit. Everything can't be hit. If you want to be a 70.3 athlete, we can have some good intervals at the end of a three hour ride, but it can't all be hit. We just can't recover from it. Mm -hmm. So that kind of training elevates cortisol and testosterone doesn't play well with co- cortisol.
0: You're saying like the long distance running and cycling elevates cortisol. Is what you're
1: saying? Yes. Okay. Yep. And the more you do the longer the cortisol stays up. Gotcha. So we that's why that hit is so important because
0: you can high intensity interval training. That's why that's important. Cuz right, it balances because out that hormone response.
1: It balances out the long slow distance And helps to bring to dampen cortisol. You still get a spike, but because you still get a spike of cortisol from a HIT session. But you're much it goes away quicker. It comes Mm -hmm. down quicker. And then our normal, hopefully healthy endocrine system kind of takes over and says, okay, back to life. We're not we're done with that. So the hormone response that I'm looking for that's totally anecdotal because there's not a lot of research done with Mm -hmm. elite athletes. Um, is that we're getting, we're helping him uh, reset his normal hormonal balance by putting the demand into his muscul- muscle and uh, nervous system of heavy load. So mm-hmm. the rest of the day he feels good.
0: I think that's really interesting when when we're talking about our audience because. Our audience, you know, a lot of people, they do those long rides, they do a lot of long stuff, they already might have elevated cortisol levels, you know, depending on their diet, are they eating enough, or, you know, so it. I feel like it becomes this vicious cycle of high cortisol, and for, for people who are wondering, that's stress hormone, which encourages all kinds of things you don't want and, you know, insulin resistance and encourages your body to store fat because I think something's terribly wrong, (laughs) you know, so it's trying to like help you survive something. Um, I feel like women, especially in this age range can get caught in a cycle of just like high cortisone and under eating and like they get in this weird place where they never feel good and that it might seem counterintuitive that you need to do something harder like to, to balance that out, but we see that that, that works and I'm hearing from you that that's, that's the technique that you apply.
1: I love that technique and it, it is interesting because sometimes I'll be sitting home on a Saturday and I'll get a phone call or a text from an athlete and it could be a male athlete, it could be a female athlete, but they'll be like, will you meet me in the gym for 30 minutes? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and I get my car and I head over there and, and we'll do a session and they're like, thank you, now I'm gonna be nicer for my spouse.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, that I understand (laughs) very well. (laughs) I'm going to be a much
1: nicer person now. So, so I think that this story, you know, stories are so powerful and that part of the story is a good thing. And that's why, like, I've got this whole group of people that I'm working with a community and, you know, I'm trying to get everybody to get a hex bar because it is probably my favorite, safest, easiest way. When you get off your bike, Mm -hmm. you can just do a little bit of movement on your on the ground, off, out of your pedals, and then just grab your hex bar and do like four sets of six, and then Tell go get a hex shower. Bar
0: is because I think a lot of people don't know what hex bar is. Oh, you
1: guys, a hex bar is awesome. <laughs> First of all, you can get a photo of it on Amazon.com. Just Google or Google hex bar. It is a very safe way to deadlift to pull mm-hmm. weights off the ground that won't put you in a compromised position. So. We talked earlier about risk and reward. Mm
2: -hmm, Um, mm -hmm.
1: There's a lot of reward with a straight bar deadlift. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: However, with an endurance athlete or with an athlete that enjoys running or cycling, there is an inherent dysfunction in the hips that because of that tightness. So I don't like to use a straight bar with a lot of those athletes because it puts their low back and their uh, sacroiliac joint a little bit at risk. And that is, already kind of a talked about, oh, that side, your right side of your SI is locked up. Oh, it's not right, moving. Right, right, right. You know, we right. don't, anybody that, anybody that has any kind of hip issue, and I would say most of my athletes put, are that close to having a hip issue, I'm not going to put them on a straight bar uh, deadlift. I just don't. So the hex bar brings that load and brings your hands through your skeleton rather than putting you in a forward position.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: just easy to just keep a really upright posture and just right. stand up with the weight. You know, could you be doing it a little better, maybe or not? But I because you kind really... of stand
0: inside it, right? It yes, is the best way. So, like when you usually do a deadlift, the bar is in front of you, and it's that kind of awkward thing where you're trying not to scrape your shins and you're trying to do all this stuff. Um, here, you kind of sit, stand right inside this this apparatus, <laughs> so it's it's just easier to grab the bar without all of that, without worrying about having your hips in the right position and your back flat yep. and all
1: of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a safe way to lift, lift weights. And you know, I love it when people have one of those at home only because a, it's not that expensive. You can get some Olympic plates, some big mm-hmm. plates so that you don't have to lift it too low. Cause you want to make sure that you're in a, in a good comfortable position, but um, it's less than 200 bucks. And I call that healthcare. I'm like, yeah. put that in your healthcare budget, go buy a hex bar. Don't worry about how much weight you have. You know, a little over time you'll need to make sure that you're being challenged, but just just get get to deadlifting. Like it's it's a good, great exercise and it's safe.
0: It really is, yeah. And it feels yeah. to your point, it, it uh it I feel like nothing really fires up my central nervous system quite like a good lifting something heavy off the ground
1: like that. I think it's gonna be a really good strategy for our audience for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. So talk a little bit about, you talked, you've referenced it a few times about hips, 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 glutes. Are women any inherently, do they have more trouble with hips, with hip tightness, with hip anything? Like whenever I go to a yoga class, almost all the women are like, oh, my hips, my hips, my hips. Like is there something inherent to females or is it just
1: people? I think it's just active humans. I mean, I think when we're younger, we talk about that cue angle and we talk about our inability Mm -hmm. to control our knees diving in. You know, that is something I, you know, you had asked me about um, evaluation process. I mean, we have to be able to control the knees diving in. Right. Um, And we have to, and especially if we're going to do those plyos that we want to do, we
0: we need to do
1: that, right? So there's a whole journey and strategy to really secure those knees in a really stable position. Um, you also asked me about Gray Cook, and we we can just this is maybe a good time to just kind of bring in the the right, beauty of yeah. the way the way that before we got thinks.
0: before we got on the recording. I I know that Aaron is a big fan of Gray Cook's work, and he is a legendary movement specialist. Right, I've seen him present many times. So yeah, you can talk some of about- the best
1: just some of the best education ever. And so the key the three key areas. Um, that that we want to make sure are moving really really well are the ankles, the hips, and the thoracic spine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and we also want to make sure that there's good control, neurological control through those three specific joints. Or and We should probably areas. be clear
0: where the thoracic spine is since we keep honing in on it. Yep,
1: yeah, everything that the ribs attach to. Okay, so that's a, that's a good so definition. That's just an easy way to uh, to figure that out. So yeah. the body, the bottom line is the bottom of the foot should be stable. Mm-hmm. The ankle should be mobile, the knee should be stable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The hips should be mobile. Mm-hmm. The low back should be stable. Hmm. and the, okay, thoracic spine, <laughs> the the thoracic spine should be mobile, and the cervical spine should be stable. So if, if all you remember is one thing: the bottom of the foot should be stable. Right And so you think about plantar fasciitis, you think about anything like that if the ankle and the calf muscle specifically, maybe the Achilles tendon, they all start compressing. And there's mm-hmm. that word again. You know, if we start getting an ankle that is not moving, and I've broken my right ankle like three times in the last Ooh. six years. I know, trail running.
2: Oh. And then I, you know, you're your
1: own worst doctor. I never got it checked out and it didn't know it was broken. So I just kept running on it. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, all you have to do is remember that the bottom of the foot, should be stable and then just build it on top of there. So the knees, they need to be stable, you know, it's a hinge joint, but it it still has the capacity to rotate a little Mm -hmm, bit, mm
2: -hmm. but
1: we can't put him under too much stress diving in over and over and over. So most people will come to me. I haven't dealt with a knee or a knee issue in five years, because when people come in and tell me that they have a knee issue, I immediately start firing up and accessing the hips. And I immediately start mobilizing the ankle. Mm -hmm, And amazingly, mm -hmm. the knee gets better.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the knee is just yelling about the other parts. He's a victim. It's not his fault. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a great way to look at it. Because a lot of women do complain of knee issues. And I'm always saying that it's not coming from the knee. It's not that joint itself.
1: Yeah. So we get back Mm -hmm. up into the pelvic region and we, we have to be able to get the hips decoupled a little bit. We have to open up the anterior capsule a little bit, and then we have to activate, you know, the the glute mead And you know, mm-hmm. there's so many people out there doing those clam shells, And I just, I, I want to shoot myself you. in the head. <laughs> i just, I'm just ask like you about that. <laughs> that is a that's, brain thing. As soon as you can move, that's the first
0: thing they do. That's the first thing they do. <laughs> I know. And then they do them
1: over and over, like a hundred mm-hmm. clamshells which does absolutely nothing. So as soon as you're neurologically able to do a clamshell it's time to put that muscle under load. Unless right. there's an acute injury, right? So if you can move in that clamshell, then let's mm-hmm. do a super clam. Let's do a weighted clam. Let's do a band clam. Like anything, we need to put that muscle under some level of stress to start to activate it and turn him on. Like, get let's get busy. Bring me some, you know, bring me some heat,
0: you know? Right, right, right. So you're not just sitting there. I mean, clamshell, again, for people, it's like when you're lying on your side and your knees are, are sort of, your legs are bent, your knees are stacked, and you're just opening up your legs, sort of like a clam opening up, and it's <laughs> supposed to activate your outer glutes, right? Like, that's the idea. But, um, yeah, I think a little... It,
1: it's a pebble in the ocean. That's <laughs> a good way. Thank you
0: for that clarification.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it is, there's so many ways to to really enhance that movement and really um, challenge those muscles. And there, I think that feels so good. Like I demonstrate stuff all day for people. I'm like, I want you to do this and I want you to do this. And you know, those of, in your audience that know Mirinda um, three time mm. Kona champion and, and mm. I've been Rennie's strength coach for nine years. She is currently 23 weeks pregnant. So she's not postmenopausal. Oh, she is? Yeah, it's so exciting. Is that your yeah. second baby? second baby. Oh, you know wow. it. Oh, because I knew she so exciting. I, I just
0: had. Oh, okay. That's exciting.
1: Yep. Isabel is uh, just, Isabel just turned three.
0: Wow. And,
1: um, but one of the primary things for baby number two for Rennie is um, we're doing a lot of slide board. Um, oh, okay. Uh, going, mm-hmm. And that's been a kick because that works the AB ductors, which is the uh, glute med. Mm-hmm. And, and the a d um and that whole inner thigh complex, and I know a lot of women like to think about inner and outer thigh, mm-hmm. and I buy all the equipment for my gym, so i we cannot not have inner thigh machine and outer thigh machine, like we have those machines, and they 're probably one of our biggest sellers, but there are so many ways to to train that coupling of relationship, mm-hmm. the inner and outer thigh, and just get those muscles super active and how that plays in stabilizing the knee so that you can run uphill and you can run downhill and you can produce force and power into the pedal
0: because right, right. everything
1: is stable,
0: but right.
1: but stability without function and without mobility is just tightness. So
2: hmm. that's
1: where we have an incredible opportunity. If we can enhance that lateral movement,
2: mm-hmm. we can
1: really strengthen everybody that's going straight down the road and wants to run a really fast marathon or, you know, survive an Ironman or whatever it is and still look good at the end for the finisher pitch. you know. Right. It's, right. It's, uh, <laughs> and we do spend
0: so much time working in that plane, right? Like we're always doing yeah. running or cycling or squats or deadlifts. And it's not a lot of, you know, we're not, most of us aren't basketball players. We're not going side to side or tennis players where you go side to side, but that side to side stability is so important for our mobility. Word. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's and it great... it
1: makes it so fun, and that's one of those things where you can put somebody who is very very proficient in sport, and you can put them in a position of of discomfort just by having them go sideways. I had uh, an Olympic qualifier; she's not going to ever make the Olympic team, but she's definitely going to qualify for the.
2: She's
1: going to run run fast enough to qualify for the Olympic trials,
2: mm-hmm. and I had
1: her doing a uh, multi planar running inside of cones. And I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. (laughs) I just want you to run around the cones, but face me, and you're going forward and backward and forward. And she stood there and laughed at me. She goes, you want me to go crooked? And I'm like, (laughs) totally. And I want you to do it four times. But she moved beautifully. She looked like a professional soccer player. She was gliding, and foot was just everywhere, and ankle mobility, and in and out of cones. It was a blast. And she really, it made her laugh. And, you know, one of our first things was it should be fun, and it should be a different kind of physical challenge.
0: Well, and I think you know, bringing this full circle to life and and our sport and everything else. I, I what I'm what I'm also hearing from you that I think is important, and we've been talking from the beginning about this all being a journey. Is that sure? It's really great that we want to do our sports, we want to ride that century or do whatever we like to do on the weekends. But the thing that's going to keep us mobile and feeling confident and strong and all of that is that is that stability in life and we talked about the quote-unquote functional training but that is really functional training where if I can continue to do that at 51 at 61 at whenever I'm not going to be as afraid of falling when I'm an old woman right like I'm not going to be as afraid of like I'm going to if I if I'm on an unstable surface I'm okay I can catch myself I can like that it's Building that muscle memory and, and everything else seems really important, uh, not just for young athletes, but for, for people going into the other end of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, it's true what they say. If you don't use it, you lose it. That's why I throw stuff at people because I want <laughs> them to catch it. You know, they need to catch and they need to be able to throw and they need to throw hard. They need to produce force. So there's rate of, of force production. How mm-hmm. quickly, how quickly can you do things? And that's why I'm so excited um, to 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 be part of this this conversation because, you know, I've written three phases leading into a hit phase, and so let's mm-hmm. say each phase is four weeks, maybe it's five, depending who you are, you know. So phase one, you're you're just learning to lift weights,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: even if I'm very good at lifting weights, but I would still do phase one because my tissue needs time to to get conditioned to handle phase two, Mm -hmm. which then starts to bring in a little bit more load, a little bit more intensity, a little bit Mm -hmm. more speed, some different Mm -hmm. neurological challenges. And then phase three, and this is where I was getting uncomfortable, but I'm so stoked because you guys are pushing me to push my audience to get better because my understanding of the science now is so much better because of Stacey Simps and because of so you're,
0: you and because you're of your book. Yeah, thank you. You're referencing yeah. the um, Aaron is putting together a strength training plan for Stacy Sims, correct? Like, tell us. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll sp- keep
1: going that direction, at least initially, because I, I think you guys are incredibly busy. And it's what I do every single day. And, right. you know, and I and it's going to be totally approved by by Stacey for sure. And, and I think it's going to be one of those things that I never placed the level of importance on hit training mm-hmm. and on and and on quantity of load that I that I will from now going forward. And it doesn't mean that everyone's going to do it in every workout, but I right. understand the level of importance because the science is coming because we're pushing it as a group of women who demand that we want to live our lives like I was just going to say we are going to rewrite what 60 looks like we are going to rewrite what 70 looks like and
2: mm-hmm. what we're
1: capable of mm-hmm. and and that and being able to help people do that and be part of that because i am myself there
2: mm-hmm. like
1: mm-hmm. that that is just an honor and a privilege and something that deserves massive attention so thank i, you I to couldn't you. agree thank more. you to thank, you guys
0: thank you and, <laughs> I, and I think um This is a good place to wrap this up because I I do think, you know, one of my questions to you is like as a lifelong athlete yourself and as someone who's worked with people for so long, like if you've seen a transition in the way people think, I, you know, I I'm still very struck by how women don't want to talk about menopause. They don't want to talk even women athletes. And I think they associate it with weak, slow, all these things. Like they're still very reticent to talk about it. And I'm trying to change that because we are we're the first generation post Title IX to be blazing into this space, like that's yep. why there's no information, you know, because other like who was studying this because nobody was doing it, right. So you know, to your point, like you know, Stacy's work looking at like the importance of lifting that kind of load and sprint training, and you know, I've been sort of a guinea pig for it for years, and I can attest it it works, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and it's great, and you feel so good, but um you know, have, are you seeing a change at all in, in women's attitudes or, uh,
1: I, I, yeah, you know, they're still so confused, you know, there's still so much societal stuff that's coming at us, you know, and that's, that's where the leadership of women like you, me, um, you know, some of our professional athletes, um, as they get older, showing their stuff and competing with younger women, because we're, you know, it adds so much credibility to that statement of train smarter, not harder. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, we still have to train hard, but we don't have to train, train the volume that we think we do. Like if you think training, like you did when you were 35 at 55 is going to get you the same time, shame on you. It's not the case. You need to buckle down, do some good research and hopefully they're finding us and hopefully they're, they're hearing what's going on because um, I know you can get faster. I know you're going you're gonna to rest like a crazy person. Like if, in order to perform like that, and that might be our next conversation is, is about how do I recover? Now I'm learning how to work that hard. How do I really make sure that I'm recovering well and, and, and still not do nothing? you know, because right. you, you have to have those easy movement days. And that was what I was kind of seeking out with foundation training was like, how am I going to help? I'm not a yoga person. I'm way too intense. I'm way too slamma jamma, you know, coaching mentality. But I can bring that into a foundation session. And with the understanding that our goal here is to, to, to trigger some of that parasympathetic, some of that rest and mm-hmm. digest and see mm-hmm. if I can rush you into that. You know, if you just wait for <laughs> nature to have it happen,
0: it right. will
1: happen. But I think if we can find find our ways and our strategies to recover faster and enter into and turn the lights down and don't drink so much like one glass of wine, you're probably fine 2 you're starting to really mess up your recovery, you know, Um, and the food guidance that you guys are giving is is magical. So it's it's a little bit of work. It's a little bit of change, but it's totally worth it.
0: Totally, totally. And I like I like your point and I think it's important maybe we we end on that, that I think the first and i was guilty of this too um the first instinct that you have when things are not going the way you want is to go back to what you were doing when things were going well right so that could have been 10 years ago that could five you know but in this piece of time that very well may not be what your body is telling you it needs now you're just defaulting to this thing like well it worked when i was 38. It worked when I I was 45. It might not work when you're 48, 47, 52, you know, whatever those ages are. And it's important to meet yourself where you are now to get, like you said before, like, why aren't you, if you're not, if it's not working, what's not working? And I think that's really an important place maybe to wrap this up. I think so too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um and as you as you've shown, you can still get faster with the uh... I
1: know. And I'm so excited. So I'm taking this long period of just exercising when I don't have a lot of progressive overload and I'm just enjoying the mountains. I'm out riding my bike. And then I will engage in a in a training program probably starting November first. But I'm mm-hmm. still not I'm still exercising. I'm active every day and okay. hard. I'm doing different things, but I'm not measuring it all the time and you know whatnot. So my big first peak will be at the end of march next year and my next peak will be mid july and then hopefully world championships in the fall and those are my three big peaks so everybody should sit down and really start it's a beautiful time it's a stupid time you know 2020 but i think i think <laughs> take it's a fun of it. yeah take advantage of it look map out your calendar in 2021 and pick out your three peaks and and then start to get organized just like you would for anything and um, it's a health decision. It's, it's a life journey that you'll be so proud of. And, you know, whether it's running your first 5K or qualifying for a world championship, um, it's time to start mapping out 2021, guys. Well, that's our show this
0: week. I don't know about you guys, but I think I'm going to start measuring myself against the wall and see if I can make myself a little bit taller. If you'd like to try out some of Erin Carson's workouts, she was generous enough to offer some special discounts for our listeners. Download her app, EC Fit Boulder. She has two apps. So when you go into the app store, the EC Fit Boulder one is the one you want. And there you will find Stacy Sims' strength programs, which include 18 different workouts in three different phases. The program officially launches November 1st, but she's making it available for early bird listeners here on October 15th. The cost of the entire package is $299 and hit play not pause listeners can get $25 off with the promo code PLAY 25 That's PLAY 25 Check it out and I'll see you all next week. My guest will be Mary Jane Minken, or Madam Overy to you and I, She is the authority on women's issues and once toured with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to hit play, not pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty.